0: looking at our world from a theological perspective. This is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, February the 19th, 2024. It is currently 11.05 a.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I need to ask you a very serious question. All right. Now, now I could do this like, like I'm joking around, like it, like it's kind of funny, but I, but I want this to be much more serious than maybe you would, you may even think. Because I think it's a, because I think that this question, it may seem like it's no big deal and it's not that serious, but it really gets us to a very important theological discussion about two different kinds of theology. And whether you know this or not, you kind of traffic between these two worlds of theology, these two different categories of theology. So before we get to these categories of theology, I have to ask a question that may seem insignificant. It may seem like I'm joking around and like it's funny, ha ha ha, but it's much more serious when we get to these different categories of theology. All right, so let me ask you a question. When you have a really, really bad day, Maybe it's a really bad day at work. Maybe it's a really frustrating and bad day at home. Maybe it's you had a really... A, a big fight with your spouse, or, or you're really frustrated with your kids, or you're really frustrated with an, you know, someone else in your extended family, or maybe you're having some conflict with a neighbor, or conflict with a coworker, or maybe there's some drama happening in your church, or or maybe there's some frustration with someone in your church, or someone has back been gossiping or slandering about you, or just whenever you find yourself in a very frustrating situation, things are going bad. Things are not going good. There is anger, there is discouragement, there is frustration, there is depression, there, there's just there's a million emotions. When that happens, what do you do? How do you handle it? Let me let me state it in a different way. When that happens. Does your theology, does your Christianity, does scripture, does the Bible, does it even come into play? Does it actually help you? Do you even think about it or do you just kind of push that all aside and you handle it with your emotions? You handle it however you handle it. You, you strategize, you come up with a plan and really you don't even look maybe to the things of your faith or do, does the things of your faith does it have a practical impact on these kinds of situations now some of you may be much more spiritual than me and you may be able to say no when everything goes bad and everything goes wrong it's my faith and it's the bible and 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 maybe that's what you turn to i'm i'm guessing that there's plenty of you I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping because I can't be the only one that sometimes when everything goes wrong, theology, the Bible doesn't even really come into play in your mind. You don't even really give it much thought. At that moment, you are consumed. You are overwhelmed by your emotions. You're overwhelmed by your feelings. And maybe you even react to many things emotionally. I, I know I can't be the only one. Most likely, if I was to talk to your kids, they would tell me how you typically react. Now, I bring all of this up. Because I have been, well, I think I, in some ways I've been struggling since last Sunday. All right. So things didn't go great last Sunday. Now, the good thing is the bad news kind of happened after church. And then this Sunday, everything went wrong. So between last Sunday and this Sunday, let's just say nothing went right. Absolutely. Everything went wrong. Everything. Everything. It's just it's just one of those situations where you're like, oh, come what else can happen? What else can go wrong? And many of you know that I've I've been talking about the end of 2023 at the end of 2023 going into 2024 that I felt that there's a high probability that, you know, Victory Baptist Church located in Ovalo, Texas, may be fast approaching its end. We may be reaching that point where it's coming to an end. It just may be. And and if we can make it a little further, if we can get, if we can get to the end of 2024, if we can get to the end of 2024, that will be, I have served at that church for 24 years. I've literally had a, a, an entire career at that church. So 24 years coming to possibly to an end, that's kind of, you know, that that's... I mean i'm not it's, it's a little bit depressing I, I kind of feel that it, it's it coming but we're kind of right there at that we're at a crossroads right we're, we're right there and and so uh so there's just been a lot of things dealing with that but the bottom line is it it didn't go it, nothing has gone right. nothing has really been able to move forward so I can get even more answers it's just it's just everything just isn't right and so by the time I was done with church yesterday. I, I was like, what What am I doing? What is going on? Everything went wrong. That's why none of the messages were posted. Everything was deleted. I uh, Everything. We did not have in-person service uh, last night. You did not hear me broadcasting after. Everything went wrong. Now, I would love to tell you. I would love to tell you. That I walked, that I got in my car and as I drove away from Victory Baptist Church and I was driving the back roads of West Texas because I always take the back way home, right, where I'm just, you know, it's just there's just cattle and horses and fields and there's just nothing out there, just driving down an isolated country road in West Texas that my thoughts were, I'm going to go home and I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm going to fast and I'm going to spend some extra time in prayer. And then after I'm done doing that, I may listen to two or three sermons and then, and then I may listen to, you know, some conservative Christian radio, like the, the Bible Broadcasting Network or the Fundamentalist broadcasting network and I may let's listen to the hymns and and the devotional readings and and you know I may you know I may do this and then i'm gonna do and then I'm gonna spend extra time in prayer i mean we 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 just had on the sermons 2.0 app the twenty four hour prayer meeting maybe I can take some lessons from that and, and I know we're supposed to be spending 21 days in the minor prophets maybe I spend some time there and we're supposed to be focusing on uh you know the lectionary readings i mean I know I just kind of Well, kind of had a sermon on the lectionary readings. It wasn't very good, but I could go back and read those for my own, my own spiritual edification. And, and, you know, I I could be looking at all these things that I've been talking about and I could do this and it could benefit me. I could, I could spend the day, but no, did I do that? I did not do that in any way, shape or form. I did not want to read my Bible. I did not want to pray. I did not want to listen to any, I, I didn't want to do anything like that. Because my, and listen to this, my frustration, my emotions were greater than, well, anything dealing with my my Christian faith. Let me state it this way. My frustrations, my emotions were greater than the greatness of Christ. And I know if I say that, some of you are going to be like, oh, but there's a specific reason I'm saying that. And we'll talk about it in just a minute. But this got me to thinking. This got me to thinking. Now I started thinking about it a little bit yesterday and 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 i and I wanted in some ways to come turn on the microphone, but then there was another part of me because of my emotions and my feelings like what's the point there's no point in it. there's no point in ever broadcasting again there's no point in doing anything again just and and that was kind of my that was kind of my mindset but it got but it got me thinking about this very important concept, this very important concept the difference between what we call theoretical theology and practical theology. Theoretical theology and practical theology are two branches of the study of religion that focus on different aspects of understanding and applying religious belief and practice. Theoretical theology Versus practical theology. Now, they don't necessarily have to be verse one another, but in this particular case, we we could say theoretical theology and practical theology. So, before I, in a sense, put them in conflict with one another, what I'm going to say is that whether you realize this or not, uh, re- whether you realize this or not, most a lot of times your theology is much more theoretical than it is practical. Because a lot of times you have all of these beliefs about Jesus and the Bible and God and, and Christianity and, and truth and reality, and you have all of these concepts, but they're very theoretical because in many cases, they never translate from the theoretical to the practical. So, so many times people in their lives will be going through this or going through this or going through this, but for some weird reason, their Christianity never seems to get the, to have any major impact on it. So, so their 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 feelings guide them, their emotions guide them, and and then they it's like nothing else. Christianity, and even if you try to offer up Christianity as a solution, well, that's not going to work. It's 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 not going to work. So at some point you're like, well, then I guess Christianity is about as useless as useless as 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 possible. And sometimes it may feel that way. Like we've got all these great theoretical ideas about heaven and hell and God and and his attributes and and the Bible, the infallible inspired word of God. And it's like all these theoretical concepts and we speak of them and we may believe them and we, we may defend them and we may criticize anyone who doesn't speak or preach them correctly. But it's all theory sometimes when our practical life well, needs some help, then somehow the theory can't get to the practical. Well, I I left church yesterday after literally trying my best to speak of, well, in reality, a lot of theoretical ideas. And one of the theoretical ideas I spoke of was the greatness of Christ. I even talked about the greatness of Christ uh, here on this podcast. I gave everyone an assignment to look up scriptures, try to find at least seven about the greatness of Christ. So I've been talking about the greatness of Christ, but you know what? When I drove away from church yesterday, the greatness of Christ did not even register in my mind. The greatness of my emotions is what registered. The greatness of my desire to drive away and to never come back and to never do anything ever again. To come home, turn on the microphone and go, it's over. I'm done. I resign at everything. I resign literally at everything. The podcast, being a pastor, I, re- in fact, you're never going to hear from me again. I'm changing my name and moving to somewhere in which where no one will ever, ever find me. Now you say, well, that's a little bit of hyperbole. Maybe it is a little bit of hyperbole, but I'm saying that my emotions and feelings were greater than all of the theoretical theology that I know. And I know lots of theoretical theology, and I'm calling it theoretical because it's theoretical that there are these concepts, but sometimes they don't become practical. If we want for a more technical definition, theoretical theology is defined as this. Theoretical theology is also known as speculative theology or dogmatic theology. It deals with systematic study and interpretations of religious beliefs, doctrines, and concepts. It seeks to understand the nature of God, the origin of the universe, the purpose of life, and other fundamental theological questions. Theoretical theology aims to explore and analyze the theoretical aspects of religion, often drawing on scripture, tradition, reason, philosophy, to develop theological frameworks and explanations. Theoretical theology involves philosophical reasoning, textual analysis, historical research, and logical argumentation to formulate and defend theological propositions and doctrines. OK, uh, uh, discussions about the nature of God, the Trinity, salvation, predestination and other theological concepts fall under the realm of theoretical theology. Many of you who are Christians, if you were to say, what, well, where where is your strong suit? You're in the theoretical theology department. That's where you are. If we were in a university, your door would have theoretical theology department. And you love talking about this doctrine and this doctrine, and they're wrong, and this is right, and, and and this, and and the Trinity, and and predestination, and election, and and eternal security of the believer versus say you know all of the charismatic versus say things maybe or not necessarily verses, but uh, you know, and also talk about maybe other theological systems that you are wrong, and you're going to criticize them, and you want to understand them so that you can see how they are wrong, and you're you're all you're all about that. You, you'll buy the books. You'll you got you got you'll. T- take the notes. You'll listen to the sermons. You, you love all of that because it's all theoretical. It has no real, I mean, and, and I hate to say this in many cases, it's more just like it's, 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 it's more, it's an academic pursuit. It's like a, a puzzle to put together. It's like a mystery. It's like, it's like you're being a detective trying to figure all of this out. And, and then you get to kind of stand somewhat on, on a ground of superiority because you can then point to other people and go, their theology is wrong and their theology is wrong and their theology is wrong. And they don't interpret the scriptures right. And did you hear that and that, that, that? And you just love running around. And that's, that becomes your Christian life. Now, there is nothing wrong with theoretical theology. In fact, it's absolutely necessary. We need to learn doctrine. We need to learn all of this. We need to understand historical analysis and, and textual research. And we need to understand logical argumentation. And we need to understand the philosophical concepts that arise from some of these theological propositions. Prep- we, ne- we need to be able to do all of that. We, that it's very critical. It's a, it's a major element of one's Christian life. We grow in our knowledge and understanding. We pursue the attributes of God and how they play out. We pursue these theological truths. And but that so much, so much of your life, it's the theoretical, the theoretical, the theoretical, the theoretical. And I hate to say this. In many cases, the theoretical has no discernible practical impact on your everyday life other than in many cases making you judgmental and condemning and telling everyone else that they're wrong. This is always the danger in seminary. This is always the danger in Bible college. It's theoretical, 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 theoretical. You learn, you learn. You got this concept. You got this concept. Okay, well, wait about that. Well, wait, what does the Greek say there? Well, wait a minute. You're you're missing the, the, the textual context. Wait a minute. You're missing the historical context. Wait, what about the cultural background? Okay, wait a minute. Let's use this method. And you're pursuing knowledge, knowledge, knowledge. You're writing papers. You're trying to figure all of this out. You may have to write a thesis and and whatever your doctrinal thesis, whatever the case may be. and, And it's all of this academic theoretical pursuit. And that's all great. But in many cases, it has no discernible practical impact on your life. In a sense, Sunday... I drove away from the church, my head filled with millions of theoretical. Theological concepts, right? Because of all of my, you know, theological uh, education, my, all my degrees in theology, I know all of these. In fact, I, and I since I literally preached a little bit on it, right? Because for the first hour, I tried. It was, it was kind of an impromptu thing because I had none of my notes with me. I had none of the things that I needed, but I had to, I had to divert what I was going to do because of the circumstances. And so, I, I, I spent some time looking at the greatness of Christ. And how great Christ is. And we looked up, we spent some time looking through all the verses that mentioned great in the New Testament. And we were going through them relatively quick, trying to make a list. And I think we ended up having like 11, 11 scriptures that spoke of the greatness of Christ. But none of that, that's, it, it just became theoretical ideas. Theoretical ideas. When I drove away, not that the greatness of Christ theoretically had no practical implication on my life. I walked through the front door. I did not go, well, because Christ is greater than anything, then I'm not going to sit here and be overwhelmed with the greatness of my emotion. I'm going to spend time focusing and resting in the greatness of Christ. And so I'm going to do, no, it had no discernible practical impact on my life. Now, if I was listening to a sermon and someone got those things wrong about the greatness of Christ, I could criticize it. I could point it out. I could be like, "How dare they miss that?" But of what Now, that's that's I'm not saying that's not necessary. I'm not saying it's not needed. I'm saying that there's got to be something else. So that leads us to the second category. Practical theology. Practical theology, also known as applied theology or pastoral theology, focuses on the practical application of religious beliefs and principles in real life context. It seeks to explore how theology can inform and guide everyday practices, rituals, ethics. See the difference? Now it gets down to real life context, theoretical theology. It's just about all of these doctrinal uh, truths and systematic theology and, and all of these wonderful, amazing things that we need to know, but you need practical theology because practical theology, in a sense, practical theology walks down the hallway, sees the door in the university or the seminary that says, you know, the theoretical theology department and practical theology knocks on the door. I said, yeah, I need a whole bunch of your theoretical theology and I'm going to take it and I'm going to walk it down the hall and I'm going to apply it to some, some, some specific situations. Now, what happens in some people's lives, they're all about the practical, the practical, the practical, the practical, the practical, but they're so ignorant of the theoretical that their practical is then completely based off wrong theological understanding. It's like zeal without knowledge. And they may have a lot of the practical, but when you, they start talking, you're like, Oh, you're, you're a bona fide heretic. You're like absolutely in, you're insane. But they, they, they seem to, they're, but they're trying to apply these, but they don't have any concept of the theoretical. So you can be theoretical without ever getting to the practical, or you can be the practical without get, getting to the theoretical. And if you have that, then you have a complete imbalance in your Christian life. See, practical theology focuses on uh, and places an emphasis on lived experience, ethical decision making, spiritual formation, and the integration of faith into various aspects of human life. Practical theology involves reflection, ethical deliberation, contextual analysis, counseling, pastoral care, um, outreach, addresses practical challenges and issues within religious communities and society at large. Are you in the theoretical side or are you in the practical side? Now, the thing is, the theoretical side should so give us these grand doctrinal truths, these gra- these these great theological realities that then the practical will grab onto and say, this is going to impact my life in this way. Now, the very basic level, the very basic level is should not my th- theoretical theology at least impact, at least have some profound practical impact on our lives when we have a really, 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 really bad day? Should it not have some impact when we have a fight or an issue with our spouse? Should it not have some practical impact with how we handle our issues with our kids or our family? Should it not have some practical impact? And if it doesn't have any practical impact, if it has zero, then what does that mean? What does that mean? Now, I cannot speak for everyone else, but for me, I'm telling you, I, I I came home. and I mean, I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray. I didn't fast. I didn't listen to sermons. I didn't listen to Christian radio. I didn't do any of that in fact i did i I was so overwhelmed with the greatness of my emotion i didn 't even i didn 't even come back around to this microphone that 's right here in my house and sit down and say, "All right guys look it's been a bad day, but this is what I need to do i didn't even attempt to i didn't even try to i didn't even care to in fact i now I did to be fair to be honest full full transparency I did come around. And sit down at this very, in this very chair, before this very microphone, and at least thought about doing something. I at least thought about it. Now, ultimately, I just gave up and said, I can't, I can't, I can't. Now, in some ways, I may have made the right decision, at least as far as broadcasting is concerned, because, you know, most likely, no matter what I would have done, I would have deleted it anyway, right? In fact, I'll probably delete this one, okay? Because because the point is, is no matter what I was going to do, I wasn't going to. Once again, I was not going to feel that it was worth even my time. But the point is, so so. But the point is, I, I still I, even if I didn't broadcast, I could have just moved the microphone arm here, like I have it right here. I could just move it. I know you can't see. I can move it over, and I could have grabbed my Bible, and I can be like, okay. Let me let's spend some time reading. Let's spend some time studying. Let's spend some time praying. Let's spend some time fasting. Let's spend some time doing something. All I wanted to do was spend the time f- planning my getaway. See, if I change my name, okay, where how far could I get? Now, if I change my name, okay, I got I, gotta, I I wanted to formulate a plan. Okay, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but you get the idea. that's what my emotion said. The th- all the theoretical, theological truths that I know, and I'm saying theoretical in the sense that there are these big ideas about things, but they, they, they don't always, they should impact our practical lives, but they're theoretical until they impact us. Once they impact us, then there's the practical aspect. So two different categories of theology, theoretical and practical. Let me give you an example, all right? Not, I don't remember what day it was. I turned on this microphone, and I read this verse. Luke chapter 1, verse 32. I'm just going to read the very first few words of, of verse 32. Speaking of Jesus, he, that's Jesus, shall be great. He shall be great. This is a prophecy of, about what Jesus is going to be. He shall be great. This is leading up to his incarnation, to his birth. He shall be great. So I told everyone to, hey, focus on scriptures about the greatness of Jesus. Focus on them, right? And, and I have an article here that does the exact same thing. In fact, it gives one, two, three, four, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, I think nine um, uh, of these. And and I'll just go through a couple of these and read a couple of these. All right. Just to show you. All right. So Jesus is going to be a great God in his being. And they quote Titus 2, 13, the great God and our savior. Titus two thirteen, Jesus is great in many ways. He's great in his nature for he is love, great in character for he is holy, great in name for he is Jehovah, great in creation for his works declare his skill, great in revelation for he expresses the father, great in promise for he is yea and in him, amen. And he is great in purpose for he is the sum of all things. But the main thing, he is the great God and our savior. Jesus is our great God and savior. Well, guess what? When I drove away from Victory Baptist Church, the fact that he is our, my great God and Savior was nothing more than a the- theoretical reality that literally had no practical implications on me at that moment. My emotions, my frustration were great, was greater than Christ at that moment. Now, I could read all, I could go through all of the things that just listed there. And we could find a scripture for each one of those, right? He is great in many ways, great in nature, for he is love. Right. Great in his character, for he is holy. Great in his name, for he is Jehovah. Great in creation, for his works declare his skill. Great in revelation, for he expresses the Father. Great in his promise, for he is yea, and in him, amen. Uh, that's Second Corinthians 120. We can look up a scripture for each one of those. Those are all theoretical ideas. I could, I could say, let's write these down. I could do a podcast about each one of those. He, he's great in this, great in this, great in this, great in this, great in this. Great in this. He's the great God and being. He's the great God and our Savior. Great love. We have this, uh, this Ephesians two four. Great love, wherewith He loved us. To take only the setting of this statement, we see uh, seven things love does among uh, the many. Namely, quickens uh, his life, saves by his grace, raises by his power, fashions us by his skill, makes us nigh by his blood, reconciled by his cross, and gives us access by his Holy Spirit. We could we could look at the context there. Now, great love, wherewith he loved us, that's Ephesians two four. Now, that may be, I want to look at it really quick to see, because this is where my theoretical mind comes into play. My theoretical mind comes into play and go, wait a minute. I don't know if we can use that verse. right? Uh, okay, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us. Now, I'm speaking more of the Father there than I think of Jesus, but God loves us greatly. He loved us so greatly, he gave us his Son, who is yet eternal God. But the point, so if I wanted to get really, you know, if I wanted to go to my theoretical you know, theological mind, I'm going to start going, well, okay, I don't know if I would use that one exactly that way. And I would possibly start questioning it and maybe trying to reword it. But the point is, is God loved me greatly by sending his son and his son did all of these wonderful things for me, but none of those wonderful things he did for me meant one thing to me yesterday. It didn't mean anything to me. It's as if it didn't even exist because my frustration, my irritation about a situation was greater than the greatness of even God's Love. A great salvation, Hebrews 2, 3. Uh, and, he, and if we look at Hebrews 2, 3, or a great blessing, you could do this, or a great salvation, however you want to define this one. For how should we escape if we neglect so great of sal- great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him? Now, we know that great salvation is directly tied to Jesus because, well, he's the one who brings us that salvation. All right. So great salvation. Salvation is at least a sevenfold uh, blessing. God is its author. Christ is its embodiment. Man is its object. The Holy Spirit is its power. Deliverance is its meaning. Holiness is its fruit and glory is its consummation. Now I could write all of those things down and start working on those. Again, I could turn that into a theoretical assignment so that I understand those things and and make sense. of. But the point is, how can I, how, how now, and this, I, again, I know the context. See, the context in Hebrews is how can they neglect, how can they escape if they neglect so great a salvation? That's referencing to the Jews, who's the temple's about to be destroyed. Hebrews is written around 66 AD. See, I know all of that, but the point is, what, what's, what's what, what, ma- what does it matter at least practically, if I know all of that stuff about Hebrews and I can argue if someone misuses that verse and I can understand placing it in its proper context. But what what am I doing with so great a salvation and my everyday life? If my, If that great salvation has no practical impact on my life when I'm frustrated and irritated and dealing with a negative situation, then guess what? My frustration and my irritation is greater than the greatness of Christ, even though I don't want to admit that. Practically speaking, obviously not objectively. Great in mercy. Great is his mercy towards them that fear him. Psalm one o three eleven. Now, we could say, is that, is that directly related to Christ? Is that to God? We, we could do a lot of a time with that. But great is his mercy towards them that fear him. uh, uh, Psalm, uh, one, uh, the next one, we could put great power. Great is our Lord and of great power. Psalm 147.5. Psalm 147.5. Now we could, we could, we could ask ourselves, is that directly related to Christ? Or is that re- related to God the Father? So maybe we could just put God in His greatness, whether it's referring to the Spirit, whether it's referring to Christ, or whether it's referring to God the Father. Maybe we could do that. The The original article was supposed to be pointing us towards Christ because they're using Luke 1.32. He shall be great. But if you want to just grab all the verses about the greatness of God, whether it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, then we could expand this and even we, we could even see more here. But uh, Psalm 147, Five, uh, great is our Lord and of great power. Now in uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, he's a great light. People that walked in darkness have seen a great light. Isaiah 9, 2. Now I think the, the scriptures speak of Jesus being light, does it not? He's a great light. Well, if I got a great light, we know Jesus Christ is true God and we know he, he, he demonstrated his divine power in many ways while on earth by doing miraculous things. Well, that, so in some ways we could, we definitely know Jesus has that power. So if, if Jesus, just think, think about this. If Jesus is our great God and savior. If Jesus demonstrates a great love, right? And we, could, we would have to find verses specifically speaking of Jesus, but I think we could find that. We, we have Jesus showing his great love. We, Jesus provides a great salvation. We, I think we can find verses that show Jesus demonstrating and giving us great mercy, and he demonstrated great power, and he's great light. That's all great theoretical concepts. Should that not have some practical impact on my life when dealing with whatever frustration that I'm dealing with? A great rock, a great rock. Now they quote Isaiah thirty-two, two shadow of a great rock in a weary land. Well, we know that uh, Christ is that rock, right? Well, do we? I think we. I think we can find scriptures that would show that Christ is that great rock, right? All right, so we we could probably do something with that. A great shepherd, a great shepherd of the sheep. Hebrews thirteen twenty. Well, if he's a great shepherd, if he's your great shepherd, my great shepherd, should that not have practical implications? And then Psalm 48, 2 talks about the city of the great king. I don't know if we would use that specific scripture, but I think we found in the New Testament that Jesus is possibly referenced as the great king or the great prophet. I think there's other passages that would talk about Jesus will take upon the throne of his father, David. So I think we could see him as the great king. The point is, these are just, I just went through those quickly. Because the point is, I don't want to get into a ther- theoretical discussion about all of these, but these are just basic concepts. I could clearly sit down. I could have spent, and I, and I went through some of this yesterday during Sunday school. I know I deleted it, but the point is, I, I at least taught some of this. I at least went through some of this. Right? I went, th- and I could read each paragraph that they have about each one of these. But guess what? I, I I had looked at that article. I used that article to start to get us a, a Bible pop quiz. I challenged everyone else to look at it. But guess what? After spending time thinking about the greatness of Christ, the greatness of God, the greatness of all of these wonderful theor- theoretical uh, these uh, theoretical theological concepts, when I needed them the most. the greatness of my frustration was greater than the greatness of christ not objectively because christ is always greater but practically oh come on come on i can't be the only one i cannot be the only one who has struggled with this with this, with this reality Our whole Christian life is a struggle here. We have all of these theoretical concepts and how do they make sense? Now, I know we could get into a whole hermeneutical argument and exegetical argument, but we all know that story, right? We all know that story of the disciples being in the ship and there's a storm, right? And then they see something walking towards them and they're scared to death and "What, what is going on? And And Peter finds out that it's Jesus. And what does Peter do? He hops out of the boat and walks upon the water towards Jesus. Now, that's an amazing thing. Somehow Peter's faith, somehow his belief was, was there. it had enough practical value. It had enough practical value that he was able to get out of the boat and start walking upon the water towards Jesus. That's insane. That's crazy to me. That, that's, that's some, that's, that's taking the theoretical to the practical and he gets out of the boat. And then we all know what happens. A million sermons have been preached upon it. And I know sometimes we impose, uh, I think our own concepts there. And then he starts looking around at the storm and the sea, and then he begins to seek, and he says, Lord, save me, and and Jesus has to save him. Now, to me, I I know people look at that more about our practical circumstances and all that. I think it has some, I think maybe it has some application between theoretical and practical. I think it does. Now personally what I think it means is that when we look to Jesus and we believe in Jesus and we we may even have enough faith to get out of the boat and walk upon water but guess what we're going to sink and so we're going to constantly need Jesus to save us. I think it it ultimately shows that even at our strongest point we're going to sink. That it I think it really shows us we need the imputed righteousness of Christ and we need I think it shows man's I, even at our best, we're going to sink. I think it has more to say about why we have to trust an imputed righteousness and not our own efforts. But at the same time, it can't. it does demonstrate really theoretical versus practical. Theoretical, I can look to Jesus and like, I believe in you and I trust in you and you're the great God and you're the great savior and you're the great king and you're the great shepherd and you're the door and you're the light and you're bread. And I can just go on and on and all of the great things there is about Christ because he shall be great. And maybe for a while I'll get out of the boat, but sooner or later, what happens? I look around and I see the storm and the sea and I I see the practical reality of life and my feelings and emotions and frustrations and fears and doubts and anxiety ultimately, ultimately overwhelms me and it becomes greater practically in my life than the greatness of Christ. Does the greatness of Christ overcome the greatness of your feelings and emotions, or do your emotions and your feelings overcome the greatness of Christ? Now, we don't ever ultimately overcome it in a true sense, all right? Make sure you understand this. I'm talking in a practical sense. Your Christian life is at all theoretical theology. Now, in one of the schools I went to, I had multiple courses on practical theology, practical theology, taking the theoretical and making it practical, trying to apply it to everyday situations in life. I passed that course with flying colors. Because I probably approached it as I was studying, like I was studying theoretical concepts, learn the concepts, learn. Okay. But guess what? Even though I passed it, even though I've got all kinds of degrees in theological studies, I've got degrees in religious education, I've got degrees in biblical studies, all of those degrees. I've got a degree in uh, medical administration. I've got, I, I could go through all the other degrees I have, but none, ultimately when it matter when it comes down to it, guess what? None of it ultimately matters because when it, if I can't take all of that knowledge, the theological knowledge, but I'm just saying, other than the theological knowledge, I have other degrees. But even with that, that education, when it comes down to it, sometimes emotion, feelings, and circumstances overwhelm the other. So I want you today, I want you today to do this. All right? I should have done this as a today's focus. But hey, I have done. I do everything wrong, so it's okay. I want you to take a piece of paper. And you know what I'm going to tell you to do? I want you to draw a line from the top to the bottom, dividing it in half. On one side, I want you to write the words, the words, theoretical theology. And on the other side, practical theology. And I want you today, just while you're busy, whatever you're doing, think of a theoretical, theological concept, whatever it may be, the deity of Christ, the Trinity, Salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. Uh, whatever the case may, eternal security of the believer. The scriptures are the inerrant inspired word of God. Just all of these theological concepts and truth, these the truths, these doctrinal truths, these these points of systematic theology, just write one down. And as you write one down, then I want you to think what should be the practical implication or practical implications of that theoretical concept. What should it be? We may talk about prayer. The Bible says pray without ceasing. The the Bible constantly, uh, Jesus, when he talks about prayer, when you pray, not if you pray. Jesus himself departed into a solitary place to pray. And Jesus would pray and sometimes throughout the night. Jesus prayed. So, so we can start breaking prayer down into a very theoretical way, right? Here's what prayer is. Here's the parts of prayer. Here's what intercessory prayer is. Here's what, you know, uh, petition. We can break it down. Confession, uh, praise where we can break it all down and we can turn, we can do an entire theoretical study about prayer, but the practical implications of all of those things about prayer should be, I don't know, praying. Right. You may know you're working on the twenty one days of the minor prophets hopefully you're participating in that you may now know the basic idea of what the Book of Hosea is about you may know you may know what the basic the basic concept or the basic background for the book of Joel you may know the basic background now for the book of Amos or the book of Jonah or the book of Micah um, Nahum, Zephaniah, just any of them. You may know, hopefully if you've been doing what I've been, a- I asked you to do, you've done that. But guess what? Those are, whatever you know about those books, those are, that's theoretical, theological knowledge. What is the practical implication from it? So today I just, I, you, you can just start. So I don't want you to sit down necessarily like an assignment. What I want you to do is you put that on the refrigerator somewhere, right? And just write down a, a, theoretical, theological concept. You can have your kids throw one out. You have your spouse throw one out. Have someone in your family just write it down and then just start asking and thinking about it and talking about it throughout the day. What is a practical implication of that theoretical idea? What are the practical implications of the theoretical concepts we talked about the greatness of Christ? Right, if God, if he is the great God and our Savior, what is the practical implication of that great love? Now, I know they quoted Ephesians two four. You could find a scripture that specifically would kind of connect love with Christ. Christ loved his own to the very end. I think that's John thirteen. Right? Uh, we we could find you know a you know a, a, a love of someone dying for the righteous or dying for the unrighteous. Christ died for the unrighteous. I think we have plenty of scriptures that would show that Jesus loved for us that his love, what does it mean that Jesus demonstrated great love, that Jesus has the attributes of love? What does that mean for you practically? What does it mean uh, that he has provided such a great salvation? What does it mean that he's great in mercy? What does it mean that he has great power, great light? He is a great light. He is the great rock. He is the great shepherd and he is the great king. What is? Those are all theoretical concepts. What does any of that mean in a practical way for your life, for your everything, whatever you're dealing with, whatever, whatever the issue is, marriage, family, money, whatever, whatever it is, I want you to, I really want you to do that, the theoretical and the practical. Now, we need to be, we need to know theoretical theology. We need to be experts in it. We need to be able to identify correct theology and identify wrong theology. We need to speak the truth, know the truth, understand the truth. We need to know what we believe and why we believe it. But for crying out loud, it's got to do something for us, right? It's got to somehow translate into our practical life. Now, ultimately, just remember, we're going to fail in our practical life. That's why we need the imputed righteousness of Christ. That's why we need a correct, uh, that's why we need a correct theoretical understanding of the doctrine of imputed righteousness versus infused righteousness. But then that should have a practical impact on my life, right? Because then I know that I am saved by an imputed righteousness, not an infused righteousness, meaning I know I'm going to continue to fail and continue to sin. And meaning that my only hope and comfort is in the imputed righteousness of Christ. See, that should have a practical impact. That should. Maybe it should. It should. Now I wish I could tell you that Wednesday or Sunday or the next time I have a bad day at work, I wish I could tell you that I, I was going—I'm going to leave church going, praise God, and I'm going to go home and I'm going to read my Bible some more and I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to—I'm going to do that. I wish I could tell you I'm going to do that, but if I'm even remotely honest with myself, I know that there will be plenty of times that I will not. I have plenty of challenges in front of me. I do, right? Twenty-four years. High probability that my that the whole whole church is wrapping up. It's we're at the crossroads. We just got to figure out how to bring. We got to drive this. We got to land the plane. We got to park the car. We got to bring the train into the station and wrap it all up in a, in a God glorifying way, unified way. I don't know what you, I got so many questions. I have no idea what, are you, How? what do you do? How do you, do you sell the building? Can you sell the bed? What is, what is the rules about? I looked up all the legal things. I have no clue what I'm supposed to do. I got to come up with all of this, how this is all going to work. I don't even know how it's all going to play out. When is it all going to play out? Six months from now at the end of 2024? I don't know, but you can tell that it's all coming. What is going to be the implications for this podcast? Is a podcast going to survive? Will people support this podcast? I don't know. What is the future of this podcast? I don't know. What if this podcast goes away? Will my theoretical theology have a practical impact on me practically, or will the demise of this podcast, if this podcast goes away, is it going to then have a profound negative impact on me spiritually because all of that theoretical will no longer matter because, well, I don't have the practical... I don't have this practical outlet to sit here in front of a microphone talking about all of these theological concepts. It's all like, in some ways, I feel like I need this. I absolutely need. I don't know what happens to me spiritually without this. I have no idea. Do I implode? Or is my theoretical can find a way to sustain me practically even without this? I don't know. But today, I want you, again, piece of paper, divide it. Theoretical, practical, theoretical, practical. Just write, and this is not about trying to see how fast you can get through all the theor, list, all the theoretical. I just, I really want this to be like a very practical exercise. Write one or two down and then just spend the day thinking about what should the practical application be to this? How should this practically impact my life today? Whatever you're going through, whatever things, your you're, you're ups or downs or your end, I mean, because everyone's life has them, right? I mean, I, I, I get emails from someone, someone, one of the individuals who sent us such a nice uh, financial you know, donation to help you know sustain us for a little bit. You know, that person told all about her struggles and things that they've been through. And it was like, wow, you know, that they've been through a lot. Well, how does the theoretical sustain the practical? Some of you've got this down. I think some of you are much more in the practical theology realm, and that's great. Now, for you, you probably need more of the theoretical to ensure that your practical is actually based off real theology. Some of us are so theoretical, we need a healthy dose of the practical. We have to have the balance. I'm in the theoretical camp. I can sit down. I could sit here all day and come up with. I could talk about this. I could exegete this. I could. I could. I could criticize how texts are being handled. I could talk about hermeneutical principles. I can teach you all the Bible study methods. I could go all day. We could talk about this. This. We could talk about the communicable and non-communicable attributes of of God. We. I mean, all day. We could just go go. I could talk about the history of this book or that book. I mean, theoretical, 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 theoretical. I could sit here behind this microphone and do it for five hours. And then literally when the microphone's off, walk down the stairs and five seconds later, for some, almost demonstrate instantaneously that the theoretical didn't make it down the steps of the studio. Just as as of yesterday, I left a church where I had talked about the greatness of Christ, right? I talked about it. I talked about the lectionary readings for yesterday, looking at Mark 1 and Jesus going into the wilderness and, and what the 40 days represent and what wilderness represents and, 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 and what the wild beast represents and, and talking about all the beauty of salvation uh, and, uh, and and having this great car. Co- and guess what? In the car from the front door of Victory Baptist Church to my car and at five seconds later being on that back road, uh, go, leaving Ovalo. I'm just going to be honest with you. The, my frustration, my discouragement, my depression, my worry and anxiety about the future. Overwhelmed and was greater than the greatness of Christ. And to say anything else would be a bold face lie. I can't be the only one. Email me newsif at yahoo dot com. Newsif at yahoo dot com. That's newsif at yahoo dot com. That's newsif at yahoo dot com. Thank you for listening. I would love to see your. Your, your, your post on, on, the, on, the, on the refrigerator. I want to see pictures from people's refrigerators where it says theoretical theology, practical theology, and have one or two things listed. And then I need a picture of your family sitting around the table having a, a great theological discussion about the practical implications of those theological things that you wrote down. All right. Maybe your kids will figure it out better than sometimes I think the kids can figure it out. They'll throw out a theoretical concept. So, well, what, how should that impact your daily life? And they'll be like, well, hello, it should mean this. All right. So yeah, we probably, sometimes we need to, we need a lesson. All right. Um, I'm going to go because, well, practically speaking, I have a grocery order about to show up at my front door and I have to carry it in. So See, practical life comes right back into play. Practical life comes right back into play. Does any of my theoretical theology have any impact on the practical? You tell me. Newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day. God bless.